What is up, everyone? Welcome to Creeps in the Crypt. As always, this is Eric, and I am joined by... Kirsten. <laughs> I have the hiccups, by the way, everyone. I saw you... <laughs> I saw him run through that so fast because he was trying so hard to, like, hide Not the hiccup. Yeah. I can't even look at you this episode. <laughs> I'm possessed. By what? <laughs> what are you possessed by? A whore next to me. A whore whore or a whore? Uh, Yes. Folks, take your pick. I'm crying. I went to hit record and all of a sudden I started hiccuping. So that's where we're at today. Oh my God. It's uh, not great, but here here we fucking are. Here we fucking go. So as always, I'm joined by Christian and Sam. <laughs> Ladies. I introduced myself. Yeah, well, you know. We, <laughs> it just, was, I was here for it. That That's fine. Oh, my and gosh. And we have exe- uh, executive intern Lucy. Oh, she's moved on to executive? Yeah, I guess she's just intern Lucy. I don't yeah, know. I think she gets... After last week's debacle, she's not moving any further up anytime soon. Oh, she's so cute, yo. She I decided... think she's in an executive position. So there was some <sighs> classy editing done by Jeff, our audio engineer, <sighs> because Lucy decided she knew how to work the soundboard. And that all had to be edited out. We love her go-getter type of there was about 15 minutes of really good content that had to be clipped and edited and spliced together because lucy decided to just mash buttons in between so she said enough with you guys talking it's my turn she's like i'm just gonna hit buttons maybe it'll work out but yeah so we are moving on to part two of the amityville horror so we're on to the haunting. Mm-hmm. Ooh, the haunting. The alleged. So that leaves haunting. the alleged haunting. Allegedly. Allegedly uh, haunted. So what would you ladies do if you got offered a house on a really good deal, only to be told that like six people <laughs> fucking murdered in it? Do you take I mean, more money off because it's haunted? No, I mean, that's why it's on a good deal. Oh. I it's mean... Because there were six we people in? murdered. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty okay with that. When can I move in? Would be my question. Now. Oh, right now? In fact, you can take all the furniture that the dead people left behind. Oh. I, I would probably sell that. The furnishings? Really? Yes. It's free furnishings. Sorry, my good no, brain no, they is weren't, actually they talking weren't free. Right now. It was 400 extra dollars, but... The whole house is furnished. Yeah, but my my goodwill braining is uh, talking, and my anti goodwill braining is uh, talking. Yeah, Christian's a goodwill hound. We know. That. I love a good deal. She's always about a deal. I'm about a good deal. I do enjoy the baubles and the things, tchotchkes and whatnots. I do enjoy them. But would you be able to move into a house knowing? That your children are going to be sleeping on the same beds that other children are murdered in. Can I sell the furniture? No. Mm. Mm. Now, the mattresses were not there. 
but all the other the trappings of the house were there. Then I'm saging the fuck out of that house. What? But I will move in. Yeah, we're talking about like a seven hundred thousand dollar house that you might get for like two hundred thousand. I would sage the fuck out of that. But there were six people murdered in that motherfucker. And possibly a demon possession. Sage Sage the fuck out of it. Sage it. Yeah. I'm with you. I don't blame you. Birds and Palo Santo would, and we good. Well, maybe that's what George Lutz thought. Because we're picking up where we left off last week in the Amityville War. Never mind. I'm just going to save it for the podcast. Okay. Save, save it for later. We're picking up where we left off. I'm sorry. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't go for the sage. He went for a conventional method. I don't know. I don't know. But. I don't feel like it did anything. Where we are leaving off from last week's, or where we're picking up from last week's, is... Ronald DeFeo was convicted of mm-hmm. murder and he is he spent he ended up spending his entire life in prison uh after he was convicted and Did he die? He is dead now. Oh. When did he, he die? A couple years ago. Oh. But where we're picking up is where the Lutz family moved in. Uh, and Sam, if you would like to kick lead it us off. in, <clears throat> the story surrounding the Lutz family and their December 1975 purchase of and then prompt departure from a supposedly haunted house on Long Island has been the subject of endless speculation. But was this spooky ordeal? That was later popularized by a book and then a handful of films. Was it inspired by true crime or was it all just an elaborate hoax? Who is or was the Lutz family? George and Kathy got married in July 1975 and they each had their own homes but they wanted to start fresh and with a new property. Both had been married before and the three children were from Kathy's prior marriage. So we have Daniel who's nine, Christopher who's seven and Melissa who goes by Missy. According to Daniel, the oldest, George insisted that he and his siblings be officially adopted, adopted, Changing their names from Corantino? Sure. Something Italian. If I said it wrong, don't tell me. Uh, From that to the last name Lutz. Just say you're sorry for any mispronunciations for the rest of the year. For like ever. No, you have to renew it every year. So you'll be good for the rest of 2023 for any mispronunciations. As long as they listen to this episode. Yeah, as long as they listen to this episode. <laughs> but why wouldn't pretty. they? I don't know. We have lovely voices. Exactly. During their first inspection of the house, the real estate agent told them about the DeFeo murders and asked if this would affect their decision. 
After discussing the matter, they decided that it was not a problem. The sprawling Dutch colonial at 112 Ocean Avenue had cost them just $80,000. And they loved it. Quote, it was a dream come true, George Lutz remembers. Yeah, I'm sure. It's what nightmares are made of. Mm-hmm. George and Kathy were able to make a large down payment with the money they got from selling his mother's house as well as George's house. By moving into such a spacious place on the water, George was able to cut a number of costs, enabling to uh, enabling them to afford the mortgage. He intended to move his family's land surveying business into the basement, and he was able to eliminate mooring costs for his two boats since the property had private boathouse. The Lutz family moved on December 18, 1975. Much of the DeFeo family's furniture was still in the house because it was included for $400 as part of the deal. It sounds like a steal! You get a fully furnished house! Uh, mm. With all the things! And then some. I think they got more than what they bargained for. Yeah, it, it definitely sounds I like they got more than what they bargained for. <laughs> See, I was thinking, I hope to fucking hope not. No, just a demonic pig. Somehow that's less scary than a clown. I don't know. No China clown? Uh, mm, mm, I don't like clowns. I don't know. I can see a pig's face. I can't see a clown's face. A demonic really? pig? Someone saw it. Like to a cartoon esque demonic pig. I mean, I'm not saying it's not scary. I'm just saying it's less scary than a clown. I don't know if it's less scary than a clown. I, uh, they give me the heebie jeebies. A friend of George Lutz learned about the history of the house and insisted on having it blessed, which, fair enough. Mm. Yeah, I I feel like that that's kind of common practice procedure for houses with traumatic history. I mean, anything like I saged my apartment before I moved into it and I'll sage the next one. But do you feel like that could also be a religious provocation that caused maybe the amped up haunting? Not with sage. No, no, but like. Do you feel like that could could possibly be the provocation that caused a lot of this to like amplify? Is the priest coming to bless the possibly. house? Possibly, I think it's like oh, an entity had to in the house. There. Yeah, if there was an entity already in the house. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Do you feel like that if the priest came, that was the trigger? It was the taunt. It was a taunt. Yeah, I would. It agree was with an that. awakening and oh, I, I digress. I mean, we'll get more have, into that here in a minute. I have theories with this. It, I, I agree. Sam will probably come with me on this journey. I'm all. She will seatbelt her. She will seatbelt herself in because I, she knows. Do I need my five point harness no. for this one? Not yet. Okay. But it, as we get farther, simmer into down, it, Din Diesel. No. Or, it, Vin Diesel. Oh, wow. <laughs> you didn't even do that on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> Where were you going with that? Is that like an altercation? I f- that was subconscious. Like, just kicked the fuck in to make fun of it. 
I was like, oh, of shit. Of right. No, well, I'm about six drinks deep. So. Uh, this is gonna Family. Be Family. Shut up. At the time, George was a non-practicing Methodist and had no experience or knowledge of what this would entail. Kathy was a non-practicing Catholic, so she kind of gave him the rundown, the 411 on how this is going to go. George knew a... She knew nothing about... (laughs) George knew a Catholic priest named Father Ray who agreed to carry out the house blessing. So Father Ray did George's, like, he oversaw his first divorce. Mm-hmm. He annulled it, right? Yeah. So a Catholic, wait, was Father Ray a Catholic priest? Mm-hmm. He was a Catholic priest, but he was and also, then, like, a lawyer. Oh, uh, okay. As we'll come to find out later. I might be asking a stupid question. Okay. Are all priests Catholic? No. Yes. Are they? Yes. If you're a priest. Oh, gotcha. If you're a preacher, that's a different story. No, no, no. I'm with you. But if you're a priest, you have been like put Kept there. Ordained. The, okay. Yeah. Like I said, it might have been a stupid question. I don't know. I didn't so, know. It's not a stupid because question. Because I always, I always, like you always say Catholic priest. You never just say priest. Well, so you was can there be a like priest. different kinds of priests? Oh, there are. So there are, but it's like in different orthodoxies. Don't look at me like that, because you know. There's different like orthodoxies. Um, you could be like a Greek Orthodox priest. But is it all under the umbrella of Catholicism? Yes and no. Yes. And like no. a lot of them like borrow shit from each other. But like any Orthodox religion will have like priest. Like the, I know, there's a Greek Orthodox church here in Myrtle Beach that, that has a priest. Beautiful. It really is. It's gorgeous inside. Um, they have priests, but like any other like church would have like a minister or a pastor, right? You don't have priests in that because there's not a hierarchy. You need a hierarchy. You need like. Priest and bitches, uh, bishops, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. All right, you're not allowed to talk anymore. All right. You're done. I'm just going to go kill myself. Priests and bitches. Bitches. <laughs> I need bitches. I need, I'm going to give you intern Lucy since she's sleeping on the oh job. Oh, my God. I, I can't. Priests and bitches. Yeah. Anyway, that was my question. Bishops. Bishops. Because I've, it's always diocese and whatnots. It's a, it's always been prep like before it'd be Catholic priests. It was just never priests. I just wanted to know if that was. Well, remember Sean Manchester from our uh, Highgate Vampire episode? He was a priest. Yeah. Okay. In every sense of the word. I don't think he was appointed. The way that he was definitely fucking. He was self, uh, self self ordained. Yeah, the old English Catholic Church. So George knows this Catholic priest. His name is Father Ray, and he agrees to carry out the house blessing. In Jay Anson's book. The real-life priest, Father Ralph J. 
Pecoraro? Yeah. Some is, Italian. There's a lot of vowels in there. There's a lot of R's. Um, I'm too Southern for that. Uh, he's referred to as Father Mancuso for privacy reasons, which I guess it's not really private if they, we know that it's not. So he went on TV in 79 in a lost episode of In Search Of, but his face was blacked out. He didn't want it. He went on and talked about it, but he didn't one want time. to be like... He only did one He interview. did one fucking interview, and that was it. I feel like the last name, the P1, the Percoraro, is not common. So... Well, he was actually a pretty important figure. He was like a lawyer for the Catholic Church. But I feel like... If his name had to be changed in the book for privacy reasons, why do we know what his actual name is? Because it came out after that. Oh, okay. In search of. He was yeah. listed in the episode. <laughs> but, like, his, face, his face was still covered. I mean, why so at nobody, that point? But nobody knows. It was 1979, like. man. Yeah. Fair. Father Ray arrived to perform the blessing while George and Kathy were unpacking their belongings on the afternoon of December 18th, 1975, and went into the building to carry out the rites, which is like the blessing, right? Yep. Okay. So he was going through and just flicking holy water in the rooms to bless every room in the house. Oh, that seems pretty... Pretty benign. When he flicked the first holy water and began to pray, he heard a masculine voice demand that he, quote, get out. When leaving the house, Father Ray did not mention this incident to either George or Kathy, which, like, is what he's fucking there to do. Yeah, there was a particular room that we'll cover later. We'll get there. Where it happened. The family, the Lutzes, were immediately plagued by poltergeist-like activity after this. Within the first 15 fucking minutes, their dog, Harry, tried to hang itself over the fence. This is insane. Like, the dog jumped over the fence and tried to hang itself the first of many times that this would happen. The dog was trying point, to kill itself. At that point, stop leaving it out on the leash outside. Well, eventually it did, and it, would, it was going crazy in the house, but we'll cover that later on. First, there were the flies. A swarm of them at that in December. I remember Daniel during... We watched... So last week we watched a documentary called My Amityville Horror where it follows the story of Daniel Lutz. The oldest. The oldest. And he has some interesting comments, but one of the stories he talks about is this room full of flies. And he's like, I would just go to town on them and just smack the shit out of them with a newspaper Mm -hmm. and kill them by the hundreds. And then I'd go tell my mom... I've killed these flies. Look, come look. I killed the flies and they They'd would be all gone. be gone. Like all the dead flies would be gone. And they wouldn't even be holding a newspaper anymore. Yeah. There wouldn't be a newspaper in the room. 
And she's like, okay, good job. Like, you killed the flies. So these flies congregated in one of the rooms of the house. Then there were the cold spots in rooms and hallways, the odd smells of perfume or feces. They said it smelled like an old woman's perfume. Okay. So that was like a notable scent that would like linger throughout the house as an old woman's perfume. Could it be the perfume of Mrs. DeFeo? Maybe. You never know. Never know. And they'd hear jolting sounds at night. Whatever that means. So it'd be like loud bangs and crashes and shit. Oh, okay. George Lutz claims that he mysteriously woke at 3.15 a.m. almost every day. This happened, like, immediately. So, for the 28 days that they were in the house, George Lutz would wake up at 3.15 every morning. Around the same time that supposedly the DeFeo murders happened. Well, also, if you're woken up at 3.15 in the morning, that that is supposedly your spirit guides telling you, hey, wake up, there's something evil that's trying to get in. Well, that's the devil's hour or the witching hour. Yeah. Because it's a mocking of the Trinity. Though. It's specifically like 3.15 is what I looked up. Well, that's uh, See, I didn't read that. But what I do know is... Three o'clock in the morning is the witching hour, the mm-hmm. devil's hour, which is the mocking of the the Trinity, which is when the veil is thinnest between our world and the spirit world. So that would mean like entities are more active at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've woken up at in at like three twenty, three thirty, uh a few times like a couple weeks ago. I was just like, not today, Satan. Not we ain't doing this, Jesus. Not while we were prepping for this episode. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh uh-uh. uh. Was a couple weeks well, ago. <laughs> was it when we were doing John Bonet? I think it was after. I think it was during the couple weeks we were off. Maybe. Oh, so it was just Santa. That's fine. Totally fine. Not today, Santa. Not today, today, Santa. Santa. Get out of here, Santa. The front door would slam shut in the middle of the night. The garage door would open and shut on its own. I remember in the documentary you watched, Daniel Lutz was talking about how the garage door would just fling open and slam shut and fling open and slam shut by itself. Yeah. And he was like trying to hold it down and it would just keep flinging open and shit. That is fucking terrifying. And strong. Yeah. It, we're not talking about like it would just open by itself. Like on these are the, not automatic doors. No. These this are ones like, that you had to like physically open, right? Uh, Yeah, pretty much. So they would just fly open and slam shut. And they're just like, what do we do? Those crazy poltergeists. And this is the shit that's like, to me, the the most eerie about the whole thing. And we'll get into like the controversies of the, the Amityville horror later, but 
subtle shit. It's subtle shit that I find the most terrifying. Mm-hmm. Not like the big grandiose, like, we'll talk about it in a minute, but. On December 24th, 1975, Father Ray called George Lutz and advised him to stay out of the second floor room where he'd heard the mysterious voice. It was the former bedroom of Mark and John Matthew DeFeo, the same room that Kathy planned to use as a sewing room. But the call was cut short by static. Following his visit to the house, Father Ray allegedly developed a high fever and blisters on his hands, similar to stigma. Stigmata. Which are the markings of Christ on the on the cross. Oh, it just said stigma. Uh, at first, George and Kathy experienced nothing unusual in the house. Talking about their experiences subsequently, they reported as if they were, quote, were living, were each living in a different house. What's, what's crazy about, like, that phone call is when... George Lutz told Father Ray that it, it was going to be a sewing room. He's like, good, as long as nobody sleeps in the ho- in that room. That was the the main takeaway is, like, don't let anybody sleep in that room. Because mm-hmm. instantly when Father Ray showed up, he talked about, like, the room was colder than it should be. Colder than any, any room in the house. And that, like, always stuck with me. There's a lot of trauma in that room. But yeah, you had two young boys shot dead in the fucking room. Well, he... Okay, I'm going to save that. Save it. Don't forget it. I won't. We're going to put a pin in that. Yep. All right, put a pin in it. <laughs> I will. Other disturbances were far more terrifying. Objects that flew across the room, walls oozing green slime. I'm not sure if I ever believed that walls actually ooze slime and well, shit like that. Well, there was... <sighs> So I would literally have to there's see multiple it. stories of different shit like occurring, like green slime being on the carpets uh, when they'd wake up in the morning, black slime in the toilets, um, red slime. It all changes colors. But like one of the most freaky things is like the story of the black slime leaking down the keyholes in the house. See, I just mm, where does it come from? We'll we'll get into that. Yeah. Okay. The crucifix that turned upside down on the wall, the hidden red room in the basement, and I guess it's not like Christian Grey's Fifty Shades of Grey. Red no, room. no, far from it. it. It's a room full of demons. Lame. But the what was nuts about the crucifix is it would turn upside down and like emit a rotten odor, like an odor of rotting flesh and garbage, like just rot, like a scent of rot would permeate from this upside down crucifix that would like readjust itself on the wall. That's crazy. Then they had like this golden lion statue that would just like they'd put it up in the sewing room. And it would just reappear in that fucking house. And eventually, like, Kathy saw it move. Because they're like, because George was getting, like, 
angry. He was like getting fucking irritated because this goddamn lion statue kept Won't showing up stay. downstairs. And then Kathy saw like scoot by itself. <laughs> it's like, I love how you're laughing at that. Like, no, because I, I know. Because you're like a fucking demon. No, I, I'm as many episodes as you guys have done with me. I'm not a demon. That sounds but like that something a demon would but say. I have a reasoning behind. All right. It's it's there. I'm all pinning right. all of this. I'm, I'm re- I am ready there to is, hear this theory. This is the most active you've been in a while. I, I'm there, here for it. And I have, I'm ready to hear where the listeners are on with this because I feel like it's it's pretty accurate. The escal- The escalating chain of events took their toll on the Lutzes, resulting in drastic personality changes. George, who began to seclude himself from the family, obsessed over the fireplace that never seemed to warm him enough. He was obsessed with the fact that he could never get warm enough. Like, he would just constantly keep the fireplace lit, and he could never, like, get warm. Interesting. Like, just the cold spots followed George. Sounds like George was a cold spot. I'm biting my lip over here. Like, I'm going to bite it the fuck off. Because I just... (laughs) Kathy also began to undergo a series of unnerving events. On more than one occasion, she described being touched by an unseen person. And most dramatically, Kathy claims that after... Waking from a deep sleep, her face was that of a 90-year-old hag that took hours to dissipate. Yeah, the only way that they could get it done is George had to give her a Werther's. What? Is that a joke? Yeah, that was a that joke. That's a good one. <laughs> oh, because it's a butterscotch candy. Yeah, God, yeah. I love those. It. Fuck you. I, I fucking, fucking hate love you those. Guys. Thank you. That took way too long for I had an old person give me one of those one time, and I was like, I'm so excited about this. And he was like, you are? No. <laughs> I was, like, offended hey, give by her, that. Give her a Werther's. You're not you when you're hungry. I guess, he, was, I guess he wasn't excited. Snickers. I was going to be excited about that. Fuck you with your If you're Snickers. a 90-year-old hag, you're not, you don't have the teeth for Snickers. You got to suck on that candy. Anyway. Even the Lutz children began to argue more than usual, resulting in terrible beatings from their parents. Yeah, like, uh, I remember in the documentary, uh, Miami Bill Horror, which is a huge resource for this episode, uh, Daniel was talking about how his parents would take, like, wooden spoons and chase him through the house and, like, beat the shit out of him. Yeah. It was mainly George, though, wasn't it? George and Kathy. Like, they would just become agitated with the children and, like, beat them with fucking wooden spoons. The youngest child, Missy, was described speaking to, quote, an angel that was living in her room. This angel, Missy claims, was named Jody. What's crazy about this is Kathy talks about, like, there's an interview where Kathy talks about walking up the stairs and hearing an extra, like, an Mm -hmm. extra voice in the bedroom and cracking open the door and seeing the, the rocking chair moving back and forth by itself. 
And Missy goes, you're scaring Jody away. Mm-mm. I'd be like, good. And then uh, go ahead and finish reading what you're going to read. <laughs> Jody was able to present itself as a large pig to Missy and change shape and form at will. Put a pin in that. Okay. In the pig. I, I told you this is gonna be. A is it gonna bleed like a stuck pig or? No, this is gonna be really good. What are we doing here? I'm excited. Yeah. No, I. Have Christian, a Christian's come come to task on I this have, one. I have, I've come to task with this. I have a theory of what it is. George and Kathy claim to have witnessed two red eyes peering in at them from the upstairs bedroom window. Missy believed it was Jody wanting to come inside. <gasps> Jody. They also found cloven hoof prints out in the yard, apparently in the snow. Yeah. Mm. And then at one point, George went out. So the story goes, George woke up one morning at about 315, like he always did. And found one of the doors open. And he went out and the boathouse door was open. Mm-hmm. He went out and shut the boathouse door and started walking back towards the house and saw a demonic looking cartoon figure of a pig looking back at him from Missy's window. And when he got up there, there was nothing there. And Missy was in bed. Mm-mm. That's supposedly how the story goes. One night, he says he heard the child, his children's beds, quote, slamming up and down on the floor above him. But he was unable to do anything because he was immobilized in bed by an unseen force. Later that night, he woke to see his wife levitating and moving across the bed, he says. On January 14th, 1976, just 28 days after they moved in, George and Kathy Lutz, with their three children and their dog Harry, left 112 Ocean Avenue, leaving their clothes in the closet and food in the refrigerator. If the family had not left, George says, he believes something horrible would have happened. They always alluded to, like, George was getting more and more violent with the family. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I can't talk about it. It was too dramatic to talk about. I think he got to a point to where George was like ready to kill the fucking family. Maybe. Maybe he was. I, I think that's where everything was boiling. Like the boiling to point was heading towards. Mm-hmm. The apex of it. Yeah. The climax of the story. Which is what, you know, they, they hinted at in the movie. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen the movie in so long. The original or the remake with Ryan Reynolds? Both. Okay. I've seen both. I mean, there's like fucking 11 of them, so. Yeah, we have uh, like a trilogy set. I think it's three, maybe They four. spawned like fucking 10 movies off of this thing. Are they really? Yeah. 10 or 11. That's, that is just, it it's a, one it fucking It was a goddamn story. franchise. It's one story. Is it's it's the story behind the story. Yeah. There was like prequels and all sorts of shit. 
Yeah, that's just... Yeah, you have to tell the story of the DeFeos. Then you have to tell the story of the house being empty. Then you have to tell the story of the Lutzes. And then go on. And then that's the Warrens get involved. Yeah. As uh, they as do. We, we will get to later. As yeah. they do. Yep. The next day, a mover arrived to remove the possessions to send the Lutzes. He reported no paranormal phenomena while inside the house. As word spread of the Lutz's experience, people interested in the paranormal contacted them. Two months after the Lutz's moved out, George and Kathy Lutz, with assistance of Channel 5 News assistant Laura DiDio, contacted... Hey, I said that one right. You got that one? I sure did. And she is a, an important figure to this entire fucking thing. Yeah. She's kind of the link between all the shit. Uh, between the Lutzes the, uh, and all the parapsychologists that come along after the fight. So Laura contacted Ed and Lorraine Warren, which we all know who they are. The Warrens first entered 112 Ocean Avenue on February 24th, 1976. Lorraine Warren described, quote, an overwhelming sense of sadness and depression throughout the entire home. After entering the basement, Ed felt a powerful inhuman presence. He says, if, quote, if it, if it was, it was if I were standing underneath a waterfall. He says in like a, a later interview. And the pressure was driving me down to the floor. And I commanded in the name of Jesus Christ what was there to reveal its identity. I understood right at that point that what we were dealing with was no ghost. This was no ordinary haunted house. And I got most of this through the research through AmityFiles.com. So, and if you want to dig deeper, I highly recommend that website. And I would post pictures off of that website for the, the episode for the week. Okay. After conducting their initial investigation, the Warrens put together a group of professional psychics to assist them in their findings. The Channel 5 News team, which consisted of Marvin Scott, Steve Petropoulos, and Laura DiDio. They covered the Warren's investigation on the night of March 6, 1976. The investigators spent a night in the house, walking from room to room, trying to pick up ghostly vibrations. Quote, it was like a psychic slumber party, Laura DiDio remembers. A friend of the Warren's, uh, Mary Pascarella, traveled along to the house during the March 6 investigation. Mary considers herself a, quote, time walker, a person who is able to sense and sometimes visualize past events in a particular location. The house at 112 Ocean Avenue was no exception. Quote, I began to say my prayers and I was saying the Our Father. I looked out of the door, and as I was saying the Our Father, there was a group of figures saying the Our Father backwards, uh, Mary recalls in a 2002 interview. That is fucking horrifying. Yeah. Because these are... It seems like everybody who is open to the... 
like psychological effects of the house mm-hmm. had some type of experience. Yeah. Because if this woman is truly saw a bunch of fig shadowy figures and they were repeating back to her in the reverse. prayer in reverse, that is alarming. Just a wee bit. You are you are dealing with something that you cannot comprehend at that point. No, like That's... no human should be able to be like, like you know what it is, but you don't want to talk about what it is. I think I would just be like, "All right, I'll see you myself can out. You can have the house. Just uh, we good here. We good yep. here. I'm, uh, a, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna see go. myself. I'm gonna go. All right, I'm gonna head out. Lose my number." Don't call me again. We're done here. Mary was not the only one who experienced strange events that night. Channel 5 cameraman Steve Petropoulos reportedly suffered a rash of heart palpitations and shortness of breath while climbing the staircase. The Warrens say they also felt a cold spot on the staircase, a detail George Lutz has since says he also experienced. Lorraine Warren remembers an overwhelming feeling of horrible depression in the house. The team also took a series of time-lapse photos of the upstairs landing. None of the photographs showed anything out of the ordinary except for one, which had what Laura DiDio describes as, quote, the face of what appeared to be a little boy peering out from one of the bedrooms. I've seen that photo. Yeah, the photo is eerie. Old. Yeah, it's it's super creepy. It's supposedly one of the the DeFeos. The the DeFeo boys. Um but it could not be. It could be something trying to look like one of the DeFeo boys. I don't know. It's gives me the heebie jeebies. I don't like it. Well they revealed that photo months later. After the fact, on a night show, like on a, on a talk show about it. So the fact that they kept that photo under wraps for as long as they did is kind of like, what the fuck? Yeah. Kind of sketchy to me, but at the same time, it's like, I get it because you were never. They weren't, like, allowed back in the house after the fact. It was like, you did your couple of investigations, and that was it. Yeah. So the photo had to be taken that night. Yeah. It's not like they could have staged that. And they couldn't have edited it, because back in the 70s, that wasn't a thing. No. I mean, not in the way that you could now, you know? Right. During the first seance, Mary Pascarella also became ill and was ushered out of the room. Quote, there seems to be some kind of black shadow that forms a head and moves. And as it moves, I feel personally threatened, Mary claimed. Another psychic, Alberta Riley, made similar claims during the seance. Quote, it's upstairs in the bedroom. What's here makes your heart speed up. My heart's pounding. Flashing back to Steve Petropolis and his heart palpitations. It, it sounds like, so Steve, 
was the only one of the Channel 5 news guys, mm-hmm. like, out of that team that had any type of reaction. But all the rest of the psychics in the house at the time were, like, losing their shit. Mm-hmm. But he was the only one of the news team that had any type of reaction. He's sensitive to it. Mm-hmm. So, which is what Lorraine Warren said was, because as we'll find out later on, nobody else who's bought the house has had any type of paranormal. Exactly. They're not sensitive. They're not open to it is what Lorraine says. Yeah. I can't relate. Like, I don't which understand. Which is kind of like, Damn, I, I feel like so a cop out. I feel like. It's a cop out, but it's not at no, the same time it. because it's like if you if you don't have the gift, it's not even like as we know about the shining. If you don't have the shining, you're not going to see the fucking well, even spirits. The, even if you like don't have the gift, but you believe, you will manifest it. Oh yeah, there where you will see it. Even without the gift. But if you're not open to it, you're not going to see it. Yeah, pretty much. They're not going to just appear out of nowhere just for no benefit yeah, to them. Ghosts aren't just going to show up it's not because you're like in I the house with cameras. It's not a ghost. All right. I agree. I, I have a theory. There. We'll get there. I know. I'm. T- <laughs> I'm trying to get you there. I know you are. We're, we're, we're going to get you there. I'm not going to be like Eric and jump straight to the climax. Thank you. Whoa, what are you trying to say about me? Oh. Christian it likes the foreplay. I do like the foreplay. I do like a little bit. Of, I do like a little bit of foreplay. A little tickle. A little tickle. A little tickle. Quote, Whatever is here is, in my estimation, most definitely of a negative nature. It has nothing to do with anyone who had once walked the earth in human form. It is right from the bowels of the earth. Whatever is here is able to move around at will. It doesn't have a, it doesn't have to stay here, but I think it's a resting place, says um, Lorraine Warren. I'm okay It'd with that. It would be an elemental yeah. Maybe not a demon, but an elemental. What's some type. So, elementals have been here for, it's like the jinn in the Muslim faith. Like a genie. They're like oh. fire elementals. Okay. That's mainly what they're like based off like, of. Like a genie. Okay. But the jinn are like. They're they're from Earth, but they're like from a different realm of Earth, basically. Okay. Metaphysical realm. Okay. If I if I've said that right. If not, don't come for me in the comments, please. <laughs> don't tell him. The Warrens felt the house could only be saved through a cleansing performed by an Angelican exorcist or a Roman Catholic priest. George and Kathy Lutz say they were not willing to take the on this responsibility. Quote, they'd be putting their life in jeopardy. How can you go and ask someone to do that for a house? George said. Yeah, when they moved out, George Lutz never wanted to step foot on the property again. I can't blame him. Like, whatever happened there to him traumatized him to the point to where he never wanted to step foot on the property. Uh, Well, can you blame him? Like, he stood, like, I think he stood on the sidewalk one time. Like getting like 
trying to sell off the place. Rightfully so. I agree. George and Kathy decided they couldn't risk moving their children back into the home. They returned the property to Columbia Savings and Loan on August 30th, 1976. Things returned to normal for the Lutz family after they left the house. And George Lutz began to wonder if it was the house's horrors that had driven the DeFeo to kill his family. That's, we, a, that's a fair thought. So, like, the house made me do it? The house made Butch DeFeo kill his family? Because there's evil in the bowels of the house. We quote, we realized there was something so wrong there that it would be inhuman. It would be improper. It would be improper just to let him rot in jail and not try to help him get some sort of psychological help. George said. I'm assuming he's referencing Butch DeFeo. Yeah. George contacted DeFeo's attorney, William Weber, Weber, whatever who was already fielding book proposals from publishers for his client's story. The Lutz's story of a haunted house had the potential to drive up interest in a book, and Weber agreed to meet George and Kathy Lutz to hear their account. And America at this time was ripe for the picking for this type of haunting. Because remember, The Exorcist came out in like... I love The Exorcist. Early 70s. Mm-hmm. So, America was like, the devil taking possession of somebody was in the forefront of everyone's minds. It was like pre-Satanic Panic. Yeah, it's pre-Satanic Panic, which we will definitely have to cover at some point. I'm so down for a Satanic Panic episode. I mean, it would be a couple of different episodes. I mean, 80s. I mean, we would have to cover like Mike Warnke and a couple other people, but... It would be fun to do. I'm down. Eventually, we'll get there. I promise. We'll get there, folks. Weber remembers the Lutzes as starting out in a reserved tone with no ranting and raving going on. But then he says the three went on to consume at least four bottles of wine, and the evening turned into a creative writing session about what kind of thing could go into a horror book. Quote, there was this give and take, and toward the end, we were creating ideas, Weaver mm. said. One such idea, according to Weaver, was giving the gelatin drops the Lutzes found on the carpet a sinister explanation. Quote, if you were talking about the green slime, why couldn't it have come from a demonic source, he told Primetime. Weaver says he never believed the Lutz's account of inexplicable happenings during their stay on Ocean Avenue. Quote, absolutely not, because they were making a commercial ven- venture, he said. The Lutz's say they felt pressured by Weaver and did not like his idea of offering a share of the profits to DeFeo. They decided not to work with him and after moving to California and ended up agreeing on working to a book project with author Jay Hansen. Jay Anson, sorry. Yeah, Jay Anson wrote one hell of a book. I will say that. 
In January 1977, Hans Holzer and spiritual medium Ethel Myers entered the house to investigate. Myers claimed that the house had been built over an ancient Native American burial ground and the angry spirit of a... Shinnecock. All right. But it's spelled shinycock. Kind of. I just didn't want to mispronounce it. I'll mispronounce it. It's. I'm going to say it's shinycock just for no. the... Just for the lulls. The Indian chief... Don't haunt me. Mm-hmm. Just at least don't haunt him while I'm here. Mm-mm. Because I didn't try to mispronounce it. I wasn't even going to attempt it. So. I just wanted to see what you were going to say, but you bitched out. Sure did. I don't mess with that shit, man. What a cop out. I won't be the one haunted. Indian chief Rolling Thunder had possessed the previous occupant, Ronald DeFeo, Butch DeFeo Jr., driving him to murder his family. Photographs taken at the scene revealed curious anomalies such as the halos, which appeared in the supposed images of bullet marks made in the original 1974 murders. In September of 1977, the Lutz's family's experience in those four weeks was turned into a best-selling book. The Amityville Horror by Jay Anson. The Lutz's reportedly made $300,000 from Anson's book. Many people expressed their doubts about their horror story, which fell under even more scrutiny after Butch's defense attorney, William Weber, admitted he and the couple came up with the tale over several bottles of wine. For instance, the neighbor's cat became a pig-like demon that left cloven hoof prints in the snow. But the couple always stuck to their story, even if they conceded that some details had been exaggerated or invented by the media. Take the red room, the not-so-fun red room, for example. A small red painted room about four by five feet that George Lutz discovered behind shelving in the basement. The room was not mentioned in the building's plans, and the Lutz's Labrador, Cross Harry, refused to go near it, cowering in fear. But the previous tenants insisted it had simply been used for storage. Pin in that. Jesus Christ. Researchers who double-checked claims made by the Lutzes and Anson found numerous holes in the Amityville story. Researcher Rick Moran... That name sounds familiar. We've talked about him before. He's come up in a few episodes. Okay. He compiled a list of more than 100 factual errors and discrepancies between their story and the truth. Over and over, both big claims and small details were refuted by eyewitnesses, investigations, and forensic evidence. Still, the Lutzes stuck to their story. Here's one of the big ones, though. Holzer's claim that the house was built on an Indian sacred burial land was denied by the Amityville Historical Society. It was pointed out that the Montaukett Indians, not the Shinecocks, uh, were the original settlers of the land. So that's one of the big fucking discrepancies, like mm-hmm. with Holzer's whole fucking theory. 
And Holzer's one of the, Hans Holzer's one of the greatest like parapsychologists in the United States. The fact that the theory was fucked up, it it just doesn't it doesn't hold water. The shit doesn't right. hold water. It's the the Amityville horror is a fucking sieve. You know what I'm saying? Like George is a great salesman. That's all I'm saying. Nor did let's it, the Let'sis take what might have seemed obvious steps to verify their story. For example, they never took samples of the mysterious gelatinous green slime that apparently oozed from the walls and through the keyhole of the playroom door in the attic. Yet, inconveniently for the cynics, George and Kathy both passed a lie detector test. Yeah, they took a lie detector and, like... When polys don't mean shit. Yeah, but... You can't just pass a poly if you don't know how to pass a poly. I mean... Like, if you're hooked up to a polygraph and you don't know how to pass a polygraph, like, you haven't been trained how to pass a polygraph, you're not going to pass it. Like, your heart rate... Like, whenever you lie, your heart rate's going to go up. Mm -hmm. They passed it. Whatever they said, they fucking believe. I mean, you can talk yourself into believing anything. I don't know. I, I really don't know. I feel like this is a, this story all in all is a story of like people who truly believed a traumatic experience happened to them mm-hmm. versus the reality of what actually happened to them. As we'll get into later mm-hmm. with statements by the children years later who were involved with this case i.e. Chris and Daniel. Missy's never spoken up? Missy has never spoken up. She doesn't want to be involved. Can't say I blame her. Yeah, it's like, do you want to be known as the fucking fucked up Amityville kid? Yeah, no, absolutely It was friends with a pig? It should be noted that no other family who has lived inside the home since, and a family does live there to this very day, have ever claimed to experience supernatural events there. Or so they say. Honestly, I don't think I would admit it. I mean, people show up. It got to a point to where people were showing up at this house so much that they had to change the fucking address. And then where they had to, where they filmed the Amityville Horror film in Tom's River, New Jersey... Mm-hmm. They had to change the address of that fucking house mm-hmm. in Tom's River because, you know, you had James Brolin there and people were like, oh, this is a fucking Amityville house. And they were just like, nah, dude, we got to change this address. Like, we can't have these fucking mongrels showing up. Well, my stepdad and my aunt know where the actual house is. I mean, I would love to see it. But I don't want to be one of these assholes standing out in front of it. I'm not planning on going anywhere near that house. There you go. Well, we're going to be going up to Long Island. Well, I think this year. Send some me point. some pictures. Absolutely. I'm going to Gilgo Beach, too. There you go. Take a bunch of pictures. Go on a true crime tour. Did I tell you when I told when I talked about my aunt Diane uh-huh. that she was like, because I asked her like how far Gilgo Beach was from her house. Did I tell you? Mm-hmm. 
She's like, oh, okay. In 1992, Butch claimed Weber had pursued the insanity defense against his wishes, and he'd done so to potentially drum up interest in possible book or film deals. William Weber gave me no choice, Butch told the Times. He told me I had to do this. He told me there would be a lot of money from book rights and a movie. He would have me out in a couple years, and I would come into all that money. The whole thing was a con, except for the crime. What's interesting about this, though, like the whole angle Butch is like finally talking about in, the, in like the '92 interview, yeah, is that the reason that the Lutzes and Weber fell out was because Weber wanted to like tie Butch in with the rights to the the whole story, and the Lutzes were like, "No, no. fuck that." So when Weber like got shot down, they went to Jay Anson. The, Anson paid them like three hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. He made millions. Yeah, off of this story, they got the short end. Of that they, the Lutzes kind of got fucked. Like yeah. truth be told, the Lutzes got fucked real hard. They should they should have been offered like a percentage. Realistically, they should have took Weber's deal because they would have got all the residual shit. Yeah. Not like all the movie deal money, all that shit, instead of like a flat rate of three hundred thousand. Which honestly, three hundred thousand in like seventies money was a shitload of money. Right. Yeah, but I would say it's probably like close to a million today, but still, like you're talking that money will run out. And it I'm sure it did because George Lutz had like fourteen lawsuits that he had to fight over the story. Over Damn. the years, before his, his death. That sucks. Like, he, the family was haunted by this story. Like, the haunting truly isn't about the house. It's, it's the ramifications after the fact. Because they spent years fighting to prove the, like, the legitimacy of what they said happened to them. And I truly believe something happened to them. I do. Mm-hmm. Do I believe that it's as exactly what it says in the book? Fuck no. No, no, I don't believe that. I think they played it up for Hollywood. For sure, you play everything up for Hollywood. You got to. Like, if this house that we're in right now is haunted, I'm gonna try to sell that story and be. I'm gonna make all sorts of crazy shit up. Like the cats were levitating across the <laughs> the bedroom. Well, that mirror turned <laughs> on. Mirror. Remember that night? Yeah, the yeah, mirror. Eric's convinced so that we, something haunted into this house. Uh, there's been some weird shit that happened in this house, but I'm not gonna go try to sell a fucking book in Hollywood about it. No. Like uh, the motion censored haunted mirror that I have that has like a ghost figure in the mirror that moves. It's a Halloween decoration. Me and the intern know. We right? have a bunch of Halloween decorations up in the house year round. Just, just saying. Spooky time is all the time. But sometimes the mirror likes to trigger by itself for no fucking reason and makes spooky noises and shit. And then Christian one time during an eclipse had knocking on her nightstand several times throughout the night while I'm trying to watch Cannibal Holocaust. 
I'm not going to try to sell a book off of that. I'm like, well, I had a couple freaky incidences, but. Right. You see, I think that murdering my hand is not part of this. She said, I'll be the judge of that. (laughs) That's a tasty hand you got there. It is a very tasty hand. She's got a hunger only hands can fulfill. (laughs) Christopher Quarantine. Okay, so this is one of the sons, right? Yeah, yeah. This, the middle one. Basically, Chris, Christopher Lutz, but he changed his name back to his, like, God-given name, like his father's name. Yeah. Because, as we remembered, George Lutz forced the children to change their names to He's Lutz. insane. Because he, he treated the kids as, like, property. He's kind of a fucked-up dude. Kind of. We're going to get there. It's there. We're getting there right now. Yep. We are. We're on the home stretch, baby. Christopher stated that many of the events in the Amityville horror books and movies were exaggerated to the point of fiction. He claimed he maintains that the haunting was not a hoax, but he insists his stepfather at the time, George Lutz, brought the troubles on himself by dabbling in the occult and then amplified what paranormal incidents did occur to profit off books and movies about the house. He said he saw a menacing, shadowy figure approach him, and he remembers the night his bedroom window kept banging and open and shut. He, quote, he is a professional showman, in my opinion, Chris said of George whom he said he clashed with many times before leaving the home at 16. He said, I feel as though we were being exploited. At one point, they even sued each other. Like, later on. Wow, because, really? Okay. Yeah, Chris wanted to make an Amityville documentary, and George, like, sued the shit out of him and said he didn't have the rights to it. How do you not have the rights to your own, like... To your own experiences. Because George was making money off of it. George wanted to be the only one to make money off of the deal. Fuck George. He's kind of a bastard. Kind of? I mean, I'm, eh, I don't speak Ill, I don't like to speak ill of the dead. That's true. But kind of a bastard about this. This yeah. whole this whole fucking Amityville deal. He this was his story. These were his ghosts. Literally. According to Chris, when the family moved into the house in 1975, George Lutz was, quote, extremely curious of everything paranormal, and he tried to summon supernatural beings by chanting. He said, I don't know that I'd call it black magic, but it was a way to call up spirits, Chris said. He wants to set the record straight from the Lutz's version. Quote, he points his finger at the house and says there's something evil there, he said. Fingers should be pointed at what he had done. He's a perpetrator and the instigator. Daniel Lutz, a 10-year-old boy at the time, blames the evil presence on his stepfather, George, a man whose occult dabbling, says Daniel, opened the gateway to dark forces he couldn't control. Daniel even went as far as to say, like, George could manifest shit with his mind. Like Daniel, like if you recall in the documentary, he he swears he saw George levitate a wrench in front of his friends. I mean, he told his mom that what he did, she didn't believe him. Yeah. She didn't believe him. 
That was full of shit. Like all of George's friends that were there were just like they they dip set. So I truly think, and there's some stories of George where he like took communion and like broke out in a sweat and had like heart palpitations and shit and had an adverse reaction to it mm-hmm. because he took communion. Mm-hmm. So clearly George had some dark shit going on with him and possibly the hauntings could be due to that. And who's to say that they didn't follow him? Oh, they did. You don't think they did? No. Okay. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Let's get into the theories. Christian, kick us off. Okay. Hold on. I gotta get myself situated. I gotta get myself unstuck from the couch. How familiar with black magic are you guys? Not really. Okay. Theory. Theorizing. Theorizing. Going out on a limb here. What's to say that Butch didn't call this being being into existence? It lived in the house and then manifested because George was into the occult. And it made Are it you saying Butch but connected with a, this being have, because I he was on an, like LSD? I have a specific being that I'm referencing to. Okay. It is a pseudo. So it fake, not fake, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Bapa Negbit. Have you ever heard of him before? Yeah. Okay. He is the, he's a boar demon. Like I thought pig. he was, I thought he's a pig demon. In black magic and voodoo. Yeah. He's in coven. He's in coven. No, you're thinking of Papa Legba. Yeah, but there's also the pig demon that's in it, too. Okay. Remember, oh. the guy that, remember the guy that wears the pig mask? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I was on, thinking about Papa Legba, though. No, but come on this journey with me. All right. The reason that Papa Legba comes into fruition in black magic is money. You want money. What did Butch not have? His own money. Because he kept trying to steal money from his Okay, dad. so now let's, he's he's manifested himself in there, not knowingly that he's manifested himself, because I truly believe that Butch committed those murders on his own accord. I don't think that there was something that, I think the negative energy that he created by doing that, but I think that George... Let's come in into there. I think him being into the occult, him being into the black magic. Well, I think that he. George Lutz had a surveying business that went belly up, or it was yes. going belly up. He needed money. He needed money. Yeah, because how do you get Bob of the Nug, but to give you money? You make a sacrifice? You make a sacrifice. So, what was the sacrifice? The sanity of the family? Pretty much. Well, in Butch's case, it was because guess what? He Bob and Negbet brings he brings you money at the sacrifice of people, other people. So you're saying potentially? I, th- I believe George I believe Lutz allegedly used the deaths of the DeFeos and his own family's despair and negativity 
to manifest this creature. Because those kids are fucking haunted. To manifest this. this creature into existence. The reason why nobody else is affected by it that has moved into the house is because they didn't call it into existence. It only attaches to the person that it... it, it so the way that it works, I'm just going off on them here. The way it works here is you call it into existence. You are now Holy its shit. you are now its assistant, and you are now attached to it. So what you're so saying is so once his assistant dies, he has to find a new one. So what you're saying is Sam George Lutz made a Faustian bargain with Five a point pig demon with me. So George Lutz made a Faustian bargain with a pig demon. Yes. To profit from his family and from the from the negativity that was in the home already. Well, it was already I mean, there. He was primed for there were six sacrifices already made. Yes. Oh fuck. Yeah. All right. That would explain the pig face, right? Yeah, the boor- also in, the cloven hoof prints. Yep, and it would also explain the black slime because well, there was green slime, there was black slime. Well, the slime, slime shit. is a like residue that he leaves behind. But what about the flies? The fly, well, the flies are Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies. It doesn't matter. It's a demon of some sort. It's coming from another. It, there could be there could be multiple demons. Yeah. Because you're bringing so much that DeFeo murder was such a negative connotation. I like I said, I fully wholeheartedly believe that 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 Butch killed his family. Oh I yeah, feel like there's no he, doubt. I about feel that. like in a drug fueled rage. I don't care what he fucking says. I feel I like think he, there was an accomplice, but that's I feel, just me. Okay, so this is the part that's really gonna blow your mind. Okay. So when he comes to you, Bob and Negbit, when he comes to you, guess how he comes to you. How? When you make a deal with him. How? Cloaked. He's not a pig. He's cloaked and covering his face. He's not a pig. And Butch was on a shit ton of fucking acid. And guess what he said? He said a person that was what? Cloaked? Cloaked. Came to him. black and hands. handed him a gun. Saying handed him maybe he a made it. Maybe he made an offer to him as a sacrifice and then... His sacrifice didn't work out. And Baba Negbet said, fuck, my sacrifice didn't work out. Another family moved in. And he said, oh, shit, I'm in fucking heaven. I'm in hog heaven. I'm in hog heaven. Holy shit. All right. I told you I was taking you on a five-point harness journey I'm with here me. for it. Yeah, that's... Our, damn, baby, you, can't, you came loaded for bear tonight. Or loaded for boar, I should say. Yes. I, I feel like that made it's alleged. I should have saved that for last. It's a, well, we did save it for last. You, she got me there. No, I, was gonna, I should have had Sam give her theory, then me, then you. God damn, I didn't know okay, you were going to well, come out like turn. that. <laughs> no, it's I, I can't top that. I mean, <laughs> I was just going to say George Lutz fucking got wine drunk with William Weber. And... All right, shit. Okay, I think Christian's cracked it, folks. I think it was Bob and Nugget. Sam, what do you got? Nothing. All right. Nothing next to Bob and Nugget? No. I mean, look, as far as, like, some of the plot holes, like the, the cloven hoofs in the snow, 
apparently the, the day that they found those, it, there was no snow on the ground in Amityville. So there's, there's that. But as far as like being a skeptic of it, I don't know. Uh, Christian might have the best fucking theory of all. Because George Lutz had a shit ton of occult books, and both kids have seen them. Mm-hmm. Uh, saw the pig. Like, from our research sources, like, Miami Evil Horror, if you... It's on Amazon Prime. Pay the twelve ninety nine to buy it. It's fucking worth the watch. There is no... No hard feelings about George Lutz's death in the eyes of Daniel Lutz. No, it's almost celebrated. Yeah, he, he, he's pretty happy that, that George Lutz died. Like, very happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but two of the three kids have come out and said George Lutz was into occult shit. And the fact that Christian went that way with it, I'm like, I'm here for it. I... I'm I'm fucking here for it. You you uh you might have cracked this whole fucking deal. I think it's I think it's after the fact. After the first uh, after the DeFeo murder, I think it was it was manifested somehow. I think when the realtor told him that it was the, the DeFeo bless- house. That's why the blessing was ineffective because it was Catholic versus black magic. Doesn't work. Okay. Doesn't work. Well, we all know, like Catholic shit is ritual magic. It is ritual magic, but it's not the same kind of magic. Well, it's not gonna. It's not gonna hold up. Which is why it never touched it. Well, shit. I just shit all over y'all's theories. I mean, sure did. I don't. I I can't go up against that. Uh, I really can't. So everybody's like just like this is a voodoo pig god that just came after these people. Yes. Yeah, uh, I really don't have shit else to say. What do you say to intern Lucy? Was it a pig god? She's like, I just want the Uh, tassel. She says she's ready to go to bed. She is ready to go to bed. Make that too. Well, I think it's time we put the Amityville Horror to bed. Mm-hmm. I think Christian, Christian go downstairs. I think Christian solved this. So, all right. Well, if you guys have a theory on the reason for the Amityville Horror, because the kids swear that the hauntings happen, and I do I believe, believe them. I believe that these kids saw something. Agreed. I believe things happen. Like Daniel Lutz said, his fingers got slammed in the fucking window. And his fingers were crushed. And then all of a sudden they weren't anymore. Yeah. And he swears this happened. And you can tell on his face, like, this fucking happened. He's not bullshitting. Oh, that does. I did forget. Sorry. Forgot a thing. Oh, Chris is going to drop the dick on the I, table now. I, now the dick's getting dropped. Sorry. I, I, no, dang. How did I forget that? Just thank you, Sam. If his offer is not accepted then he will pretty much rain all kinds of horrible pestilence on the bearer until they accept. Wow. Ooh, I think I did solve it. 
Forgot about I that. Think he, Forget I about think it. Small, might have. small detail. Daniel, that was a small detail, right? Like a little one. A little one. The, the baby one. So, yeah. Um, that pretty much does it. Uh, <laughs> Boar God of Black Magic has uh, fucking... Baba Negbit. Baba Negbit. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, shout out to Baba Negbit uh, for... Getting the less is paid three hundred thousand dollars. Where's his fucking money? That's all he wants. He just wants to bring money. Just don't make deals with him. Well, anytime you make a deal with a fucking demon, it's not well, going to. Don't make a deal to... on him and then renege because this is what happens with the Amityville. <laughs> I t- I totally think George Lutz got in over his head with the occult. That's mm. that's a hundred percent certain. But. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's going to be it for us this week, guys. Um, I'm going to drop a social this episode since Christian decided to drop her dick on the table with their theory. That's a big one, too. Yeah. I'm like, God damn. I don't want to have to suck that later. <laughs> Looks like you're going to have to. <sighs> she, she's going to hold this over my head for the next couple weeks. Don't worry. But, yeah, guys, um, make sure you download the episodes. It really helps us out. Make sure you're hitting up the Instagram, the Twitter, the Facebook, the TikTok that Sam runs. Uh, we'll get better about posting episodes or posting stuff on there. We got to figure that out. We appreciate you guys' reviews. Yeah, please. And leave please make reviews. sure you're leaving them so we can read them. Yeah, we didn't have a new review this week, so leave us reviews. Make sure you're downloading the episodes. That really fucking helps us out. Like mm-hmm. that's how we know that you guys are liking the episodes, make sure your auto downloads are on for Apple podcast and whatever platform you listen to us on. And until next week, guys stay creepy. Stay spooky. And don't make deals with the demon. There you go. Don't make deals with the demon. Bye guys. Bye. Bye.